A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. One of the recurring themes, I guess, working with property investors over the last decade or so has been, you know, the old analysis paralysis where people overthink it. They get caught up listening to, you know, all the different opinions and all the noise out there and not following their own instincts. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shump. And in this episode, we're speaking with buyer's agent and qualified investment advisor, Alex Dutt. He will share with us how he got into being a buyer's agent and the story behind his first investment, all while learning some insider tips and tricks about how and why you should be aiming to buy property in high demand areas. Working as a buyer's agent, investment advisor and mortgage broker for more than 10 years, Alex Dutt is well-versed in the property industry. I've worked on, I guess, a variety of different aspects within the industry. So, um, actually, I'll delve in a little bit deeper. I'm sure we've got questions about that. But I started out um, in mortgage broking uh, and then worked through into property investment or real estate direct. Um, so, selling as well. So, a bit of, bit of that. And then, ultimately, I was a buyer's agent. So, I've kind of I guess been on all kinds of different sides of the fence, and I've seen, um, yeah, just just the industry, I guess, from all angles. So that was been has been really helpful in doing what I do now. With clients to talk to, properties to research, and events and workshops to run, a jam-packed to-do list is not out of the ordinary for Dutt. I help investors buy and develop residential properties around Australia, and I help home buyers purchase in Metro Sydney. So. Um, that's, I guess, the at a high level. Um, but what that actually means is that I'm pretty much, uh, for most of the time, I'm glued um, to the laptop with my um, my AirPods stuck in my ears, and um, I'm researching properties and talking to people on the phone. Uh, otherwise, I'm out inspecting properties, meeting with clients, and I also run a lot of workshops for property investors as well. Despite property research being a hefty and long-winded process. Dutt shares that with a good team, a clear end goal in mind and a systematic approach to assessing a property, research isn't as burdensome as it seems. We do have a team so I can't take credit for doing all the research myself but um, I guess I think the most important thing is to understand yourself as an investor Um, and I know that kind of sounds a bit, may sound a little bit um, ethereal but I think that it's really important to understand what you want out of property investment before you even start investing. Um, so understand, I guess, a lot about yourself and your own risk, risk uh, tolerances and also, I guess, your goals and what makes you feel comfortable in your sleep at night factor because I think that can really determine rightly or wrongly what you end up buying. So to me, kind of going through that process and understanding what you want out of the exercise before you start uh, even researching to, is, is absolutely critical because it's going to determine where you end up, uh, how you approach it, I guess. But 
I suppose um, we take a pretty top high level approach once we understand the investor and start looking at, uh, again, understanding risk profiles and so on, but looking at what's already in your portfolio, you know, what 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 your budget is. Obviously, that's going to be a huge, huge um, consideration as to, to where you end up. Um, but then we've got a system that we look at. There's basically 10 things that we look at from a macro standpoint. And then we drill down into the property itself. So again, it's a it's it's a big job, but I it, I can't stress it enough that it starts off on, you know, where the investor sits in in terms of how you're going to approach it. He adds that another aspect that makes the research process easier is taking a logical and methodical approach that doesn't involve overthinking every decision. I also think it's um, important that you don't overthink it as well. Um, I mean, that's you know one of the things, recurring themes, I guess, working with property investors over the last decade or so has been you know the old analysis paralysis where people overthink it. Um, they get caught up listening to you know all the different opinions and all the noise out there and not following their own their own instincts. And I think that's really important. And I've you know I'll I'm sure I'll share a story with you later about kind of my own experience doing that when I when I just started out investing. I didn't trust my own judgment. Um, so it is, it is easy to be misled, I guess. Growing up in Sydney's west, Dutch shares that he's seen a lot of change in his hometown over the years. So I grew up in the, in the west of Sydney. So uh, started in Newtown, then Annandale, Leichhardt and ultimately Balmain where I've lived for 30 years. Wow, that's a beautiful area. You would have seen a lot of change in that area too. <laughs> Yeah, humongous change. So <laughs> I started, um, I mean, I'll give you an example. I started high school in 1988 and finished in 1993. And during that time, um, the high school of Balmain basically halved in student numbers because the area changed so much. And a lot of the people moving in sent their kids to private schools and, and so on. So it was really a drastic change over that time. Gosh, is that still the case now in Balmain? Um, well, it's still the case in terms of affluence, that's for sure. But yeah, uh, yeah the schools, the, I don't think Balmain High School is still called that anymore. It's uh, now the, the, the Sydney Secondary College, I believe. It was after completing his studies and falling into mortgage broking that Dutt realised that it was the problem-solving aspect of investing in mortgage broking that drew him further into the property sphere. Working uh, as a mortgage broker, it just, I mean, it gave me a really good introduction into um the way the mindset of a property investor, but also um, it really tapped into, I guess, one of the things that I really like about what I do, and that is the problem solving aspect. So I got, I guess, um, dropped in the deep end because I was working with a lot of property investors. So we specialized in property investors where I was working. And um, the, I guess, uh, yeah, thrown in the deep end, but I got to see what a lot of people were doing from a success standpoint. So what made people money, but also, I guess, some of the mistakes that investors were making. So, you know, I saw definitely saw some patterns there and recurring themes and some of the things that people were doing uh, from a property investment standpoint. But I also, most importantly, as you've touched on, I really got a firm understanding of um, how critical it was the, um, the thread between lending and property investments, so property and lending, and how uh, crucial that aspect was. Yeah, it, it is pretty much the backbone of it. Without funding or, or any funds to be able to purchase, you can't, yeah. can't do anything much more except <laughs> yeah. look at a property and go, wow, this is beautiful. Absolutely. <laughs> or, or but, yeah, so it gave me a really good kind of understanding and basis for, for the advice that I was able to give people over the years as I moved into you know, property investment specific stuff. However, despite being a mortgage broker for several years, Dutt admits that it wasn't his true passion. I did that for... I guess um, I'm trying to think, probably a good four or five years. Um, I mean, I did 
I did enjoy it. Uh, again, I, I like the problem solving side of things and I liked, um, you know, helping people, enabling people to buy property, but it was never, I, I'd, I'd be lying if I said it was truly my passion. Um, so I kind of, I, again, used it as a bit of a springboard to to move into direct direct real estate, which is where I really, you know, I guess I really, it really excited me and I, I, I liked that aspect a lot more. He explains how working as a mortgage broker for five years allowed him to move seamlessly into real estate. A little bit of a story, I guess, between the businesses and how they intertwined and, and so on and how that kind of panned out. But um, it, I mean, it just seemed like a natural progression. So I was fortunate enough to be in a position where I could transition to another business. I ended up getting um, a qualified property investment advisor uh, qualification, which is through PIPA, so the Property Investment Professionals of Australia. So I was one of the first handful to do that. Um, and that enabled me to work for a business that provided um, independent property investment advice and do education and things like that. So that was, the, I guess, the next step uh, to be able to give that, again, uh, independent advice and, and, and facilitate workshops and things like that dealing with investors. And since you, you completed that qualification and you started working with the clients, was, was it an easy transition for you or did it sort of just go, oh, wow, you know, this is completely different to what I've been doing? I guess there was definitely some common threads. Um, I think that um, I think it would be really difficult to be able to give property investment advice if you didn't have that really solid understanding of, of mortgage broking. I'm not saying you need to have been a mortgage broker, um, but I think that I would have really been start struggling um, giving people advice had I not you know, known the inner workings of, of mortgage broking. And um, I mean, I'm kind of one of those annoying people that likes to ask a lot of questions and know how everything works. And and I guess, you know, for me, that's kind of prompted me to get a variety of qualifications as well. So I've also done the, you know, financial planning qualification just so I can understand how other assets work. So other investment asset classes work. And uh, one of the other things I really don't like from a sales standpoint, I absolutely hate it, is uh, sales rhetoric. You know, so just kind of these things that are bandied about that people say, you know, don't do this, don't buy shares because they're risky or, you know, this or that. You know, I really kind of hate that stuff. So I really want to know, okay, well, when people say, don't do this or don't do that. Why are they saying it? So I want to, I want to kind of delve deeper. He adds that by satisfying his thirst for knowledge and gaining the answers and information, he has been able to help others achieve their property goals. It sounds a little bit kind of self-serving, but it really was everything that I was doing was always moving me towards, I guess, collecting um, qualifications, but also know-how so I could be in the best position to help clients. Um, and I'm sure you're sitting there saying, well, you would say that, but it really is the case. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess being a buyer's agent to me, it gives me total flexibility to be able to sit down with someone and say, okay, well, what what is it that you need? I understand what their goals are, but I understand the position they're in. I can understand why they're picking property as an investment and make sure that it is the right investment for them, um, and knowing what they're trying to achieve. And then basically because we are licensed Australia-wide, so really we've got a blank canvas. It's not to say we're buying Australia-wide. We're not always buying in every state based on cycles and so on, but at least we can sit down with someone with a blank canvas and understand, okay, if they've already got a property in Melbourne, they've already got a, you know one in Sydney, maybe you know they look elsewhere or, or vice versa. So, um, But really, we can sit down and tailor the advice that we're giving. And because we're entirely fee-for-service as well, you know, we're, we're totally independent. So essentially, we're, we're looking at it with, um, again, a blank canvas and we can, we can help them achieve whatever they're after. Coming up after the break, we'll delve further into Alex Dutt's journey to talk about how he gained an interest in property development. I wanted to, I guess, create a, a, a means that 
investors, you know, the average investor that, you know, didn't have huge amounts of capital, how could they tap into that type of development um, opportunity to, to create themselves a bit of equity? How he grew his portfolio? So um, my partner at the time was pretty keen on planning for the future and we ended up buying an investment property. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Aside from mortgage broking, real estate or giving advice to people as a buyer's agent, property development is another area of property that struck a chord with Dutt. I guess um, one of the things, I mean, I had experience um, like you know, any, anyone that's had any kind of interaction within the property investment industry, ultimately they're going to see uh, the project marketing side of things and how that works and how um, you know, buying directly from developers works and, and so on. So I quickly understood um, you know how how that equation worked and who got the better end of the the, the deal and um, a lot of times in most cases it wasn't investors so it kind of led me to to understand well okay developers are making a lot of money out of this um, they're often driving very fancy cars and and you know they're, they're they're making a lot of money as I said so how do I kind of I guess um, deliver that to that same concept to to investors uh, and, and you know I guess in a lot of cases. Buying, you know, a retail investment uh, off the plan or a house and land package. I'm not saying across the board it's bad, but I'm just saying, you know, in a lot of cases it doesn't actually serve serve the investor's best interest. So, I wanted to, I guess, create a a, a means that investors, you know, the average investor that you know didn't have huge amounts of capital, how could they tap into that type of development um, opportunity to to create themselves a bit of equity? He explains why this understanding has led him to believe that house and land packages as opposed to developments aren't always the best for investors. I've got my own opinions on on what makes for a good investment and um, I mean the fundamental principle that I see from an investment standpoint is you always need to buy something that's in very high demand um, and ultimately, I mean I'll be the first to admit I'm quite a risk averse investor so to me you always want to buy something that you can sell immediately. So if push came to shove, life happens to you. Um, and you need it to sell quickly, you want to be able to be in a position where the, what you've got is highly sought after and you can liquidate quickly. With um, a lot of cases with um, off the plan or house and land, you're, you're basically buying with a lot of other investors and you're buying something that's um, in an untested market. It's not always the case, but I mean, if you think of a house and land package, you're buying in a greenfield estate that may or may not have the infrastructure. It doesn't quite have the the owner-occupier demand yet because the schools and so on and all that infrastructure, that is, you know, in, in, essential infrastructure isn't quite there yet. So your resale market's just just not not there to support a um, you know a purchase if you had to sell. Mm, um, okay. And yeah. So to me, to me, I mean, it's that really that's that's really critical. That again, I can't stress it enough. It seems blindingly obvious, but buying something that you know is in absolute high demand and people you know desperately want, uh, to me, that's that's really important. And I think that in a lot of cases, that you know, house and land or off the plan stock just doesn't fit into that category. Yeah, I understand that. I was thinking that is it possible that there's other margins factored into place, like you know, commission fees and any you know referral fees, that kind of stuff. That's why it makes the Oh, absolutely. Well, there's that too. I mean, to me, I mean, it's a, it's no secret that um, you know that that project marketers make anywhere from you know thirty to fifty thousand, even more. I've heard stories of more per house and land package. So someone's paying for that. I mean, 
I mean, property marketers, um, you know, are very, uh, um, I guess, uh, good at their jobs and, you know, providing reasons as to why, you know, to justify these high fees. And a lot of them will say that it's built into the, the construction margins and it doesn't impact the, the, the investor and so on. But, I mean, you only really need to to you know do a comparable market analysis and see okay well if i were to buy through this buy yes i'm going to buy brand new and there are some benefits to buying new such as depreciation deductions and so on but to me if it's going to take you five to ten years to recoup um your outlay um because you've you know you've overcapitalized or you've bought something that there isn't a resale market yet for then you know that five to ten years to take you know worth of depreciation whatever benefit you've got along the way from a cash flow standpoint goes out the window i mean that's just a very you know general that that, that doesn't work like that across the board but it's just a very you know generalization of course thinking back to the past dutt admits that while he didn't have an initial interest in property while growing up watching his mum tackle renovations and the like did inspire him about property in general i wouldn't say that i was interested to you know to, to be brutally honest but um I did definitely, um, parents split up, so, you know, mum, uh, watching mum buy our family home and do the renovations herself and an upgrade, um, you know, along the way, so from kind of Newtown to Annandale to Leichhardt and so on, so, you know, that was quite inspiring looking back to see what she did and, you know, she did a lot of it supporting three kids at the time and doing it herself, so a lot of the renovations herself um, and kind of riding the markets that way. It was This was during the, the 1980s. So to me, that was you know, pretty inspiring. He adds that whilst this exposure didn't particularly strike a need to invest given his young age, he did gain an appreciation for his mother's hard work. I guess also um, the, the idea that, I mean, to actually invest in property was, was, was not a, a concept that at that time really kind of entered my, my thought process. So I mean, yeah, it was. It never really occurred to me growing up, you know, that um, as a, you know, as a tenant, as a, as a renter, you were living in someone's investment property. I never really kind of put those two together growing up. So I can't say that from an early age I was really that in tune with how it all worked. Um, and you know, not many people that I knew in my family owned investment properties, as far as I knew, but definitely aspired to own their own home. And I guess um, you know, uh, making the most of that through innovations, as mentioned. In regards to his own property journey, however, Dutt shares how he got into the property market and the reasoning behind his first investment purchase. I guess it was in the pretty early stages um, of probably, I'm trying to think, um, tying in with just before I guess I was involved in mortgage broking. So um, my partner at the time was pretty keen on planning for the future and we ended up buying an investment property and um, to be fair, she was definitely the the driver of that. Um, I mean, I applied... I guess what limited knowledge I had at the time, but it was a bit of a crash course in in property investment, that's for sure. He explains that it was his ex-partner's desire to buy a house for investment purposes rather than a home that led to their portfolio building. Purely for investment purposes, I should clarify, we already had a home, so she owned a home and then we were teaming up basically to buy an investment property. So yeah, so the goal definitely was to to build up build up a portfolio and use that as a you know our retirement. So, but again, as I said, it was it was a very much a crash course at the time. So I did a lot of reading and getting my head around some real foreign concepts. So this was in the early two thousands. So, um, you know, it was definitely an interesting time from a property standpoint. But um, yeah, I mean that kind of ties in with probably, uh, I guess, one of the. Um, you know, one of the, the, the worst investment moments um, in terms of, you know, how that all played out. And the process that occurred before getting that first investment? We had a little terrace house in Balmain. So, we kind of had the, the home 
um, all set. Um, but we were kind of looking at, you know, the standard, I guess, default for a lot of people is to buy in their own backyard. So I guess we looked at um, units in the Balmain area as a bit of a, because that was all we could afford, um, kind of around that low, low, low 400,000 mark, which was a lot of, quite a bit, a lot, a lot of money back then. But um, yeah, it still absolutely it is, but it's still, um, back then it was even more, of course, but um, we looked at that, I guess that was the benchmark. So we kind of compared, okay, we can buy two better, um, not far from the water in Balmain. It's going to be an, an old, you know, 70s block, uh, nothing fancy, but it's a de- be a decent size, kind of 70 plus square metres. Um, so that was kind of, I guess, the yardstick. Um, but someone that we'd met um, had recommended that we speak to uh, a mortgage broker. So again, this was before I was broking um, at the time, so kind of doing all of this. And and hold that thought, put a pin in that because that um, in saying that that was integral to me kind of getting into to mortgage broking. Um, and then I um, they kind of referred us to a you know so called property person, um, and basically talked us into looking at at Queensland. So we were, you know, we weren't really we're pretty uninitiated. You know, didn't really know what we were. Um, what we wanted out of it. We didn't know entirely what we were doing. It was all very foreign, as I mentioned. Uh, we had our own thoughts, but, um, you know, we were we were meeting different professionals, so-called professionals, and trying to understand um, how it all worked and, and what you can do. So it was, we were very green, um, and we made a, we definitely made a mistake. So, of course, you know, you can get a, you, you know where the story's going. So we either had a unit in Balmain or we could have bought something in Queensland. And we were looking at it from a value proposition and saying, well, again, buy a two-bedroom unit in Balmain or we can buy, um, you know, a big home, four-bedroom home, three-bathroom, you know, on a 700-square-metre block um, up in Queensland. And, of course, we went for the home thinking that was what made sense and we we listened to the amazing story about, um, you know, where, where that, that, that particular area is going. I mean, not having known the area at all. Um, and just following someone's recommendation, and and I don't, you know, I don't mean to pass the blame and say, you know, it was someone else's fault. We take full ownership in in in, I guess, our decision. Um, but again, we didn't get great advice. That's the reality of it. Uh, so so that that wasn't great, and we we just made so many mistakes with that purchase. Um, you know, and I can the the list is an arm, you know, a mile long. Thinking back to the downsides of this initial investment, Dutt explains what happened overall. I mean, I appreciate that hindsight, you know, vision's twenty twenty. so you can look back and say, well, we should have bought the one in Balmain that's, you know, doubled two and a half times in value. But um, I guess the the place that we bought, um, there just wasn't, I mean, again, that rule of thumb that I have that you've got to buy something that people desperately want. Um, and it wasn't there. You know, there was an oversupply of stock. Um, the population just never reached the point where it was going to, mop up the you know soak up the excess stock uh, it's still not there it's not going to be there for 20 years this is um in an area halfway between brisbane and the gold coast you know and, oh, and we listen to yes yeah so we listen to tales of oh you know that whole corridor is going to you know fill up and it's going to get soaked up by population growth and so on and then you had you know talk of the olympic games and all this you know real real crazy stuff that sounds stupid repeating it now but you know, we again, we didn't know. You know, we thought, okay, these people are professionals; they've got their best, our best interests. Again, sounds very naive, but that was, you know, I guess where we were at at the time. And I mean, again, the lesson was uh, it was really good for me because it, it, I mean, it gave me it wasn't great financially, but it, it gave me a bit of a, a shock to the system, prompted me to get into into you know the industry. And and I thought, look, if these guys are doing this and um, you know, and, and I'm not too impressed by how they do things, and you know, I can definitely do a much better job. Um, so it was quite, you know, it was quite fortuitous that way. 
Despite the first home buying mistakes that were made, Dutt adds that in the end, there wasn't much loss and a lot of lessons were learnt. The other thing was, I mean, apart from, I guess, buying at the wrong part of the market cycle, um, buying, we, we kind of were just fortunate and got the right property type. So a high set um, four bed, so two story, four bed, three bath with a double lock up garage. But we made some kind of other silly mistakes, like um, we, we bought a 700 square meter block, which is a big, big size parcel of land, but it was on a slope. So a lot of the yard you couldn't actually use. Um, so it was kind of, you know, may as well have been a much smaller block. Um, but right down to, I guess, even building to an older building style, construction style. So we had exposed brick. Uh, by the time, by the time, um, or even even before we'd started, um, everyone around there was wanting uh, rendered brick. So it's just little things like that that made a big difference from a resale perspective. So um, I think, you know, we ultimately sold the property and broke even. Um, but again, you know, I feel like, I always, I always feel like, you know, I almost got to throw in a dart at um, a map of Australia and, and, you know, picked an area that would have performed better than that one. But again, uh, you know, you, you, you look back, hindsight vision's twenty twenty. so. On another note, Dutt shares there have been many aha moments over his investing journey, most of which have allowed him to learn the do's and don'ts of investing and have also allowed him to teach his clients the same things. I mean, having worked with investors over 10 years, I've seen a lot of them. Um, and again, I come back to my comments before. Again, it seems blindingly obvious, but just, just buying something that people desperately want. I know I've said it already about three times in this presentation, but you know, if you're not if you're not buying something that is in you know extreme demand combined with extreme scarcity, I don't really understand the point. You know, and this, and I don't mean to make blanket comments, but some of the you know things people look at, like DHA homes, where you know your only market is going to be investors. You know, to me, that kind of stuff is is never really going to take off. You know, you want stuff that uh, first home buyers, second home buyers, third home buyers, whoever they are, just absolutely want it, uh, want what you have. And sometimes it can be hard to to pick that ahead of time. Um, you know, and it's if we knew the answer to that, or you know, every time, obviously we'd all be be very wealthy. But to me, if you're not doing that from the get-go, then I I just don't understand why you're buying in the first place. But I guess the aha moment, the other one is is really a quality over quantity. You know, and I hear a lot of people talk about um, almost measuring their success by how many properties that they have. Um, you know, and it's kind of like, well, you know, I've got 15 properties, or I've got 10, or whatever the case may be, and they look at some kind of um, you know, that's that's almost their goal. But, you know, combined with different levels of debt and so on or different, I guess, where the properties are located, it's all irrelevant. So to me, it's really about targeting real quality assets uh, and making sure that, you know, you're buying, again, things that people are going to want and it's going to go up in value. So to me, that's, that's the most important uh, aha moment. But the other thing was, again, based on my own experience, um, you know, being absolutely ruthless about who you trust and who you listen to and whose advice you follow, um, you know, and, and again, there's so much kind of BS out there in, you know, in, in the real estate industry. So kind of cutting through it and understanding, well, what's everyone's agenda? Why are they saying this and why are they steering me towards that or and so on? You know, and, and again, it sounds a bit kind of like you're a bit of a skeptic or I'm a bit of a skeptic. But, um, you know, that's, I guess, based on my own experience, even working in the industry, just seeing how, how things work. So to me, I can only imagine if you're, a, you know, a consumer not seeing all of this behind the scenes, you know, trying to navigate that and, and make sense of it all. So inspired by Alex Dutch's journey and the insightful moments he's had along the way, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Investory. 
to discuss his strategy. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with actually selling and capitalizing on, on you know, your wins in the investment uh, your journey along the way. I think um, if you're replacing with another investment, it can work out quite well. The personal habits which have been contributing to his success. I don't know if it's a habit or a trait necessarily, but I will admit that I'm naturally very skeptical. And and I guess that what I mean by that is that I, I do second guess kind of information that I get and I've touched on this a few times. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.